My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. We have an exceptionally cool and interesting podcast today regarding non-conforming and conforming suites in the illustrious city of Kamloops. And I think I'll start this off before I introduce our guest with a tidbit of data, because I love sharing informative data on this podcast. And so I looked at some recent sales. So yesterday in particular, there was 11 single family detached homes sold in Kamloops. And of that 11, six of them had suites. So it would lead me to believe that there are a significant amount of suites that are being sold in our city limits. Um, but I thought I should dig a little bit deeper and see what the data really shows over a bigger time span rather than one day. So I looked back to 2021 and I noted that in the same time frame between January 1st and April 7th, there was 396 single family detached homes sold in the city limits accounts. Of those uh, single family detached homes, there were 69 of them that indicated that they had a suite of some type. Uh, 54 of them indicated a non-conforming suite, which makes up about 78% of the total uh, suites that were sold. And 15 uh, were considered to be legal suites, uh, which made up a 22% ratio uh, of of those total suites that were sold out of the 396 homes. So if I compare that with the data of... Uh, 2021, we had 367 homes in the single family detached homes sold in Calumps, and we had 81 of them indicating they had suites. Uh, 68% of those, uh, six, sorry, 68 of those 81 units were considered to be non-conforming and 14 were legal suites, uh, as by disclosure. So, What does that really mean? It means that 17% of the total houses that were sold last year at this time frame had suites in them. And this year, it looks like we've gone up to 22%, meaning maybe the trend is showing more suites, uh, more viability for suites that are being sold in Kamloops, mostly because of the affordability and uh, the current rate of interest on a million-dollar home seems to be hard to chew Today, I'm joined with Jason Dixon from the City Council. Welcome, Jason. Glad to be here. Yeah, you are the Building and Engineering Development Manager. Am I correct in that? That is correct, yep. What can you tell me about that role, generally? Generally, uh, building. So building inspections, building permitting, uh, engineering development is... Think of it as the engineering review on development type projects. So whether it's off-site works or on-site works for, say, think of a mall. They have to do a bunch of parking lot servicing information on-site. We do the reviews for that, subdivisions, that kind of stuff. 
zoning changes? Uh, zoning changes, more planning. Okay. Um, they handle that. We kind of come in after the fact. More the construction part of it. Gotcha. Of it that way, yeah. Nice. And how did you ever get to be in this position? Oh, that's a long path. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was lucky enough. I started at the city way back in 1994 uh, in a, an entry-level role in the engineering division. Um, had a series of roles in engineering till 2011, I guess, I came over to the development side. And I was looking after just the engineering development part of it. And then about five five or six years ago, um, just with some retirements, uh, Marvin Kwiatkowski, our director, did a bit of a restructure and he amalgamated building and engineering development and asked me if I wanted to head it up. And I said yes. And nice. I must be doing okay because I'm still there. Good, so. yeah. I know Marvin. Good guy. Yes. Um, okay. Well, are you like a long-term Kamloops guy? or is My whole life. Yeah. I've yeah. been here my whole life. Um, so did you graduate from Caribou College? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Brock, 1987. <laughs> so go Brock. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then Caribou College, TRU, UCC, the various incarnations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Long-term camel sky. Yeah. Um, okay, so as a real estate agent, I feel there's value to share intimate knowledge about suites. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of our day now. Um, I was talking to Mallory yesterday. We were looking at some data just from yesterday's stats, and we noticed that there was 11 single-family detached homes that hit the sold sheets. Mm-hmm. Of the 11, six of them were, had suites in them. And only t- six? Only six. And we, we have yet to define whether they were conforming or non-conforming, just that they had suites in them, kitchens for that matter, in the basement. Um, and I, would, I have looked at previous stats that would indicate that that trend is probably growing. More suites, more mortgage help um, assisting in debt servicing of purchase of a single family home. Um, what is important to us as real estate agents, obviously, is understanding the difference between conforming and non-conforming. Uh, to make sure we're not steering anybody into a false illusion of what they're purchasing. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll start with just defining what a non-conforming suite is. Yeah, so from the city's perspective, conforming or non-conforming is two parts to it. The first part would be the land use part. So is a suite even permitted on your property? Um, historically, the the zoning designations, if you will, um, was pretty narrow, the places that suites were permitted. And you'd have to go through a rezoning process, which is a process through planning, council approval, neighbors get a say in on it. And then once that rezoning was approved, if it was approved, then you could apply for a building permit to, to construct a suite. And that would make it conforming. Our new zoning bylaw that's really only been around for a matter of months um, has really broadened the the residential zones where suites are permitted. There are still some restrictions. Panhandle lots, for example, you can't have a suite. Um, So the land use part of the conformance is really quite broad now. Um, It's the building code part that's the part where the second part of conformance and the building code's pretty, pretty prescriptive. Um, and how you kind of the public public safety features that are required to separate a suite from the dwelling unit above or below or beside however it's however it's broken up right yeah Yeah. and would you say that you know let's say I had a single family detached home and I had my family in there and I had 
a larger family than a normal, maybe two kids and, you know, husband and wife kind of upstairs. Let's say I had six kids or seven kids and I had a large family and I put, you know, there's four people occupying the basement area of my home. Would you say that having an actual suite in there would be, there would be more concern for life safety than if, if there was actually just a large family occupying home? Yeah, that gets into the difference between borders and lodgers and tenants. Um, borders and lodgers are, is defined in the zoning bylaw, so it doesn't have to be family members by marriage, adoption. So there's no specific number for borders and lodgers. The key to that is that they're sharing one, one kitchen facility. When you get into tenants, now you're creating a separate dwelling unit, and that's where the building code kicks in with things like uh, required fire separations. Um, there's now the 2018 building code has a requirement for separate ventilate, heating ventilation for a suite, smoke detectors, um, sound barriers or sound transmittance. Um, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, fire separations and ventilation are the two two biggest. Yep. Um, and then you get into like egress doors and windows and bedrooms and all those things that are building code requirements. So they're all around public safety, though. Yeah. But it's that definition between um, two dwelling units. And when you, as soon as you have tenants, you create that second dwelling unit. Right. That clarifies enough? Yeah, I think so. I mean, in the past, we you know, let's say 10 years ago, the term grandfathered or legal non-conforming or pre-existing were terms that we all used in the real estate world Mm -hmm. for really non-conforming suites, right? Um, But I I don't know if it made us feel better because it was grandfathered or pre-existing. None of those were really legal. They were, they were, they might've adhered to the land use zoning, but most of them weren't built to code. Yeah, we we recognize there's lots of suites that weren't built to code and, you know, going back as far as the 70s. And we've even had, we actually had one it's a while ago now, but it's a suite had been in a house since the 1970s. And they were able to provide records to show that it was done properly back at that. And we had no record, but they were able right. to show us some records of some building permits, et cetera, that we didn't didn't sort of still have or couldn't find so um yeah the grandfathered legal non-conforming that's that's in the real estate in the real estate world we've come to terms that that's not appropriate language anymore (laughs) (laughs) we weren't allowed to use it um aside from life safety um requirements in the building code for building a suite do you foresee new stuff coming down the pipeline in the new code uh, heading en route to net zero that would affect how a suite will be built in the future? The suites will be, I I think from an energy efficiency point of view, they'll be subject to all the same things that the rest of the house will be subject to. Um, I think what you'll find with the energy step code, without getting into details of that and the, the path to net zero, I think with energy modeling, I think you're going to see more, it'll be better for people to plan. We'd always say it was good to plan. Your, if you're going to put a suite in, put it in, do it right, right off the bat. Of course, that's always going to be our, our answer. 
When it comes to energy modeling and energy efficiency, that's just going to add another layer to that because you're going to want to contemplate the energy efficiency of that whole unit as a whole as it relates to the energy step code and energy efficiency. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's say, I want to say three years ago, but I want to say maybe even four or five years ago. Time flies sometimes when mm-hmm. you're having fun. Um, when there was very limited zoning for a secondary suite in Kamloops. And it was my understanding that you could apply for zoning changes, but it was never really going to happen. The planning department was pretty clear that that wasn't something that was going to be feasible, maybe due to infrastructural challenges that the city had. Um, It depends on where, like, I guess I, I, can think of a lot of circumstances where that might be the case, but I can think of a lot where it wouldn't necessarily be. Um, we don't and aren't supportive of suites per se in sort of your suburban or rural areas where so now you're getting to the the land use designations in the official community plan above the zoning. So we have areas downtown within more of the city proper that we consider urban. And you get out into sort of, so we'll use Barnhartvale for an example, might be suburban or rural. And the one big goal of the official community plan is densification. So we would want to see those suites closer to the city core, closer to what we'll call the city property, established neighborhoods where we can take advantage of existing infrastructure, whether that's water, sewer, drainage, roads, access to transit, all those things. Um, So if you were sort of out in the further reaches of Barnhart Vale and you wanted to come in and rezone for a suite, then yeah, we wouldn't be supportive of wouldn't that. Wouldn't be supportive of it, yeah. Um, if you had a, a house in you know, somewhere in West Side per se and there was a flood zone or floodplain issues, etc., and you had a big lot and you had the required parking and all those things, yeah, we would we would support that. But then it always is... When you had to go through rezoning, there was always that public component where a notice, public hearing, etc. So if your neighborhood was not enamored with it, your neighbors would have an opportunity to come out to speak either for it or against it. Sometimes it went both ways. Sure. Um, I think lots of times you didn't see a lot of action because people already had suites, so they weren't going to make too much of a fuss. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, there were would be exceptions or, or reasons why we would or wouldn't support a rezoning back when that was more of an issue. Yeah. Sure. Now you touched on a couple of things, uh, water, sewer, drainage, uh, stuff like that for infrastructure for, you know, where it's more applicable to have a more denser population. Can you touch on a couple other things that might be that in the back door of the city's you know, plan for infrastructure stuff, like maybe schools, you know, is that a factor that you think about or? Uh, schools are out of the purview of, I mean, we obviously work closely with school district 73 um, and they're planning. We don't plan schools per se. I don't think, I don't think so. I think it's, it's a bit sort of kind of looking back now because they are suites are permitted in so many zones but we would look at predominantly sort of the OCP designation is it urban and then we would look at minimum lot sizes and we'd make sure that there was the ability to provide three sort of unstacked parking stalls um those Par- are those parking's are obviously a big parking's a parking's big the big one it yeah. always has been the big one really right. um 
uh, and that there is capacity in the water sewer network, but in the established neighborhoods, I would, can't imagine. I can't even think of a spot where that might actually be an issue. In Barnhart Vale, we Barnhart do have Vale. limited, yeah. yeah. So, adding dwelling units, adding more people in Barnhart Vale does come with some challenges for sure. But that just sort of sort of supports that suburban or rural versus urban designation, and, right. and where we would support or wouldn't support. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's it's gone through the zoning land use changes have gone through a couple of new mm-hmm. phases, right? We introduced like garden suites and carriage houses mm-hmm. also as like an option for larger lots, with obviously restrictions. How's that going? Pretty well. We're starting to see more. Um, for I guess the this, uh, sometimes people are a bit confused: garden suite versus carriage suite. So a garden suite is a one story. It's like a second dwelling unit. It's yep. like a small rental house permitted generally in the same places that suites are permitted. A carriage suite is, for, for those people that are listening that are old enough to remember, where Fonzie lived on the happy right. days. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the suite above the garage. Um, those are still only permitted in the RS1S zone and are subject to... Uh, intensive residential development permit guidelines garden suites are as well um the reason they're more restricted is just because they're a much taller type unit mm-hmm. we want to be a little more sensitive how they integrate into existing neighborhoods sure. i think we're downtown lots of small bungalows and stuff downtown somebody puts sort of a two-store garage with a dwelling unit above with a really steep pitched roof you can see how that really sort of stands up and sure. dominates over the the surrounding houses so we want to be sensitive to the neighbors with, is that with like carriage a, suites is sure. that like an individual evaluation yeah upon application yeah, yeah, yeah. those are because i know that there are some downtown yeah yep there are and, and they're a little less they're a little they're a little you can put a bigger dwelling above a garage Mm-hmm. Or still needs to be subordinate in size to the existing house and we kind of want to manage lot coverage there's maximums yeah. um, I, I suppose for any of the listeners our city webpage if you go to camloops.ca and just doing the search bar residential suites there is a boatload of information for we were people checking to, before the yeah, podcast lots, sure of, lots of really good information for folks to use there so yeah. lots of details and then also the suite Reference? Registry. Registry, right. So when I had Dave Jones on the podcast uh, quite a few years ago, he talked about a registry process. Um, And it's interesting to look at that registry today and look at new development areas of Kamloops, for instance, Juniper West, Mm -hmm. uh, areas of Upper Aberdeen. And you look and you're like, there's lots of legal suites all mangled together in this new development area. Whereas if you look over to Dallas, which is that zoning only changed a few months ago, correct? Yeah. Um, there's zero. We don't have a legal suite out that, that yeah. way yet. Um, so obviously the city's objective is probably working. Would you say that's a I think so. step I th- in the right direction? I, I think it is working. And I think I'd like to think people recognize the value in having, you know, a conforming suite safe for, for themselves, for their tenants. Um, another thing that we did uh, with our last, uh, was it the last iteration of our development cost charge by It might have been the one before, but we've gone from charging development cost charges on a, on a dwelling unit or per unit basis to a per square meter basis. So when someone builds a single family home, they pay development cost charges on that entire home. 
So when you come in, if you want to add a secondary suite after, there isn't that additional. If you're not making the home any bigger, not doing an addition, and it's just within the constraints of that original home, there are no additional DCC charges. In the old days, there were DCCs provided construction value was above $50,000. So we did see lots of suites put in for $49,999, which is fine, (laughs) is what it is. but we've taken away that fear of that additional DCC charge. I think that probably helps a little bit too. Right. Um, if someone's building a new home now, there's no zoning in the way. There's no additional DCC charges. If a person's planning on putting in a suite, it's really pretty much, it's best and easiest to just do it right off the bat with yeah. your building permit. 100%. I mean, the, the cost to redevelop your basement to meet fire code and vapor separation and you know like those are the challenges that are not easy you're basically ripping and tearing your entire basement apart anyways yeah yeah i think fire separations is a real challenge i mean the heating ventilating can be a real bear too but fire separations you know if you have a mechanical room that separates the suite from the rest of the dwelling and you have to go in there and somehow get an additional layer of drywall yep. or gypsum board on that wall, but you got a furnace and a hot water tank and a washer and dryer and all those things in place. That's it's not an easy job. But right. when it's just an empty basement, it's a couple of sheets of gypsum board and a few minutes of work, and you can have that wall yep. done, and you have your fire separation. So, it's, yeah, planning ahead definitely works. There's, there definitely seems to be a trend with. Uh, a basement entry home, the design of a basement entry home that has the back end of the home, you know, made of the center support system of the basement would be the back half. Um, seems to make sense that you could slip a suite in there mm-hmm. without as many challenges as you would with a yeah. BC builder box where the mechanical is always in the middle of the house yeah. and ducting kind of shifts yeah. in every direction and lots of fire separation challenges yeah. there. Yeah, if you know, with the design stage, it's easy to move things around and adjust layout to suit a suite when, when you're just working with a designer and you're working in AutoCAD and walls yeah. can move quick and easy and it doesn't cost anything. Retrofitting after is always, always comes with hiccups. Anybody right. who's renoed an old house will know. Yep there's way more to it than you ever wished you'd find. Sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the challenges. So years ago when the idea of making it more permittable to have correct land use zoning so that you could not, so you didn't have to have that barrier getting in the way of creating a legal suite. Now we look back to, we have all these pre-existing non-conforming suites and the challenge is how do we get them to conformity? Oof, that's a big one. Um, I mean, if a person wants to come in, I mean, we're happy to sit down and talk to people. If they have an older home and it has an existing suite and they know it wasn't built with a valid building permit and they want to come find out what that would take, they have to be committed to do it because for us, once we know, we know, and then we have to work to get it rectified. So that's that's part of the challenge. because we don't have, we don't have people driving around looking for for suites or non-conforming suites. We deal with them on a complaint basis, as we have for years. Yep. Um, typically, complaints go to community and protective services. They'll investigate 
Um, there was a policy where you had to have a certain number of complaints within a certain radius over a certain period of time. Yep. Um, that's not in play in quite the same way. So they will investigate to make sure it's just not two neighbors not getting along and sure. one trying to cause trouble for the other. But if there is a bylaw infraction, then Community Protective Services will investigate further and take action. Um, and same with the parking that comes with residential suites. Uh, parking is by far the biggest challenge in a neighborhood when it comes to suites. Um, and same thing, they'll investigate. But unless there's been a bylaw infraction, you know, with the traffic bylaw, then there's not really much they can do. Right. You know, I live downtown and I like to park in front of my place and it's frustrating when someone's there someone's there (laughs) for sure and you have to kind of remind yourself that that's not actually my spot as much as i might like to think so so um yeah that's a bit how how infractions or or complaints are handled but as far as someone who has a non-conforming suite yeah if they're really committed to to fixing it up then the best thing would be to yeah kind of get some plans and sit down and we can talk to them about what it what it would take um but it, it could be a, a big job for sure. Right. And the city's not thinking that that's going to be a trend, I assume. Oh, as great as that would be? Right, yeah. yeah. No, we recognize, yeah, that there's, there's a lot there's, of pre-existing conditions out sure, there. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're barely being able to afford a house. The housing prices have gone through the roof, especially through these last two years, which I'm certain will Im- increase the amount of non-conforming suites that you see. Um the objective always to have a bigger ratio of conforming than non-conforming. That's the goal. I'm sure that makes Mm -hmm. you guys smile at the end of the day that it's at least trending in the right direction for a new build, new construction moving forward. Right. But as a, you know, a land, uh, a land owner and you are challenged with budgeting a suite in your basement, especially if you're trying to retrofit something, I mean, it's really unfeasible. It's it's huge costs. Mm -hmm. And even just the idea of, you know, those old builder box homes that just aren't set up to be naturally, you know, paralleled with a suite. Like they were never designed really for inhabitants. Yeah, if you had an an older home that had an unfinished basement or just sort of a partially finished basement, to, to turn that into a suite might not be anywhere near as onerous. But if you have a place that's had a suite in, in it for a long time, there's yeah. likely been quite a bit of work that's been done without permits. That's starts to add it, up. It starts to add up a lot more. Yeah, yeah I, I can see how there would be sort of degrees of, of how big a job it would be. Sure, um, yeah. But absolutely. Yeah. So, have you ever heard of any life-threatening safety issues that are, are they a regular occurrence that you guys are aware of with non-conforming suites? Like, um, how, how common is that? I think the most common one would be like windows, like windows and bedrooms either not being there or not being big enough, not people not having a way to get out uh, in the event of a fire. That's that's a big one. Yeah. Egress, is, Egress is huge. Um, we will well I said we don't drive around we don't drive around looking for suites but if we are if the inspectors are out and they see construction happening and we don't have a valid permit for that property they will stop and what you doing yeah um, if we visit a home for a completely separate renovation project and I mean we don't we typically keep our 
inspections to that part of the house because that's what we're there for. But if we come to a property and see something, then we're obligated to, to deal with it. So we have had a few non-conforming suites that have been found through an alternate inspection process. And, sure. And then it's yeah. like, okay, well, unfortunately, you're this is going to have to be dealt with now. On. Yeah, you're putting yeah. addition on. It's time to fix the suite up. Yeah, yeah. and we, you know, it can be things, there's all kinds of things we find when we visit properties from retaining walls that are too tall that should have been built with a permit or sheds in the wrong spot or yeah. it, it goes on. There's lots and lots. So... Let's imagine that we have a bylaw infraction for parking or noise. I assume that would be another big yeah, noise. You know, noise, too many people disturbing the peace yeah. of, of other neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say the bylaw shows up and you, you, you have a, had a consistent issue with parking. Mm-hmm. And so now the bylaw officer is, is under the impression that maybe there's more people living in this property than, there, than it would be ideal for. Mm-hmm. So what's the next process for the bylaw? Do they reach out to the inspectors and say, hey, we think we have a suite issue here? And They can be, yeah. 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 Sometimes they come to our attention through Community and Protective Services. Yep. Um, it depends on a variety of factors, but yeah, we'll often come out. And then if it's in the old days when zoning was more of an issue, um, you would find more people had non-conforming suites that were built without a building permit and didn't comply with zoning. So in those ones, typically, I think the council policy was you had to 60 days to remove it. Okay, 60 days. Um, and there's some guidelines as to what constitutes removing a suite. Right. Um, and then now, when there isn't such a land use issue, now people have the choice. You can either get a building permit to make it conforming, or you can take it out. Um, right. But that's those are the once we're aware, then we're obliged to, yeah, to to make sure it gets rectified. For so sure. so digging a little deeper on that note, let's say, because this is really an answer that I want to try and figure out. You, you have a bylaw officer shows up. We 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 suspect there's a suite. Mm-hmm. It's probably usually not that hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, an inspector comes, looks, he says, like, this is not, you didn't pull a permit for this. We don't have no record for a permit of a suite. Your zoning is okay. You know, let's go get this done properly. Mm-hmm. Um, if they choose not to do that properly, what does the enforcement structure look like? Like, how, what, what, what can happen to a homeowner? It would be a long, painful process. Right. <laughs> they would would kind of go probably a better question for community and protective services right. to, to really bylaw issue, bylaw issue. Yeah. what are the steps i mean ultimately you could end up with a court injunction that you're you're taking it out yeah so like a uh, section I think, 57 or well section 57 notice really just lets a prospective future Buyer. purchaser know that there's been a violation of the building bylaw or or something it doesn't really do much t- to the current owner right um yeah, I think at the end of the day, once we're aware and if we have a real issue, then eventually it's going to get rectified. I think sure. that people, residents, if someone wanted to be difficult, could drag it out for quite a while. We have bylaw-type files that get, get dragged thick. on for quite a while. Right. But in the end, we we get, you get, your get, it, we get it rectified yeah, yeah, one okay. way or another. So, um, But no... Uh, we're not interested in that. We're much bigger fans of voluntary compliance. And really, when it comes to complaints, the, the places we see 
by far the the biggest complaints are are suites or, or units that are income properties where the owner doesn't live there that they're yeah. renting out the Distant main floor lines. and yeah. yeah they're not invested in the community per se or the neighborhood yeah. depending on where they live um and those are the ones that we have by far the most challenges with you they know? just don't have their finger on the pulse they don't know what's yeah. going on you know yeah. someone who's lives on the main floor with their family and they're renting out their basements in a suite to one or two kids from TRU. Those typically don't, aren't the ones that cause us the big problems. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So we talked about Barnhartville for not, you know, being more of a rural Mm -hmm. development. I assume Rayleigh falls into that category as well Mm -hmm. because of the septic system and water out there. Yeah. 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 Is there any other subdivisions of note that don't have, those were the only ones that I picked up on. Dallas was one for a while, Campbell Creek. and Dallas. Yeah, there's parts of further out in Barnhartvale. There's still not sewer everywhere. Um, but Rayleigh, Hefley Creek, yeah. um, further out west side, sewer only goes to a certain distance out west side. So. Sewer is going to be a factor? Yeah, it really, and all those properties would have that sort of suburban or rural designation in the OCP and that's just not the area we want to keep adding people we want really want to the OCP is really geared around densification infill get people closer to the city core um, take advantage of the servicing that's already in place take advantage of infrastructure like transit um, and I mean it's better for the environment than people driving back and forth in their cars too 100% always with that lens on it as well cool any more zoning changes coming down the pipeline? Uh, considering we just updated yeah. the zoning bylaw, I think it'll be a while before yeah, they crack enough. that one. There might be small amendments. Uh, you appreciate that the zoning bylaw is a binder that's about three inches thick. Yeah. So I'm sure there's the odd thing in there might come up that was an oops or a miss or whatever. Yeah. So there might be amendments. But no no big changes A couple coming, changes no. over two years. That's pretty good, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, got any non-conforming horror stories? Um, not real. I mean, we found some where you just feel bad for the people that that's where they've got. I get that affordability is a big thing and I understand that, but you get into some places and some older homes and they don't have appropriate headroom like, I'm relatively tall at six foot one and I can't stand up or they have no windows and bedrooms or there's just a variety of things that are, or homes with two, three, four or five units in them. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those aren't good to see. It's just not a safe, healthy place for people to live really. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. True. And I, I, it sucks, but I think that with the current state of the housing, you're probably going to see that consistently more. There's going to be a lot of pressure. Housing yeah. affordability is is a real a real thing, and and even affordable rent. Yeah. I mean, rent the. I mean, it's one thing to say I can't afford to buy a house, yep. but with where rents are at, people, yeah. I mean, and we recognize the city has recognized for a number of years that suites are a integral part of of sort of the housing landscape in Kamloops. That right. And, and everywhere. Without right? them. Can you imagine if we decided we were going to go pick a fight with everybody and yeah. try and clamp down on all of them? Like, good Lord, where would all those people go? 
Yeah. So yeah, we 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 try and you know where it becomes an issue, we try and get compliance, and we encourage, and we've changed. I think the changes to the zoning bylaw, the changes to the DCC bylaw, are examples where we've tried to make it easier for people to do the do it properly, do it the right way right off the bat, and then you don't have those issues in the future. So when you're applying for a garden suite and you're, um, you, you usually when you have a renovation or a major permit, you have to outline what your estimated value of the mm-hmm. renovation will be. Yeah. Is that where you're getting the 49.9? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, yeah the construction gosh. value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but when... In today's world, we know you can't do anything. Oh, lumber prices. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you started. Yeah, but, I know. Oh, yeah. my. So that's probably a whole other podcast. So Yeah, exactly. So if you if you had an addition, if you were doing an addition on your house, I mean, obviously that doesn't apply because I just did an addition and my renovation budget was more than 49000 bucks, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to pay DCCs because I'm not putting another structure out there. Uh, if you're adding floor space, it depends on what you're adding it for, though. So if you're right. like DCCs, garages, DCCs are exempt. So right. it depends. If you're adding floor space, then DCCs should be applicable. Um, but it's on a per square meter basis, so it's really a small addition isn't really going to add up that gotcha. fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was different when we were paying per unit and, say, DCCs was... Nine. I was trying to think now. This is going back a few iterations ago. Was Just it under ten grand. Ten grand yeah. per dwelling unit. Yeah. So, if you if your construction value was forty nine thousand, you paid no DCCs. If it was fifty one thousand, you paid nine thousand in DCCs. Right. Whereas now, being a per square meter basis, if you're only adding a hundred square meters to your house, it's it's going to be relative. It's relatives. Yeah. yeah, it's not just all or nothing. Um, and we we made that change. I give Marvin credit for that. He really pushed for that a couple of iterations of the DCC bylaw ago where we recognized DCCs for a really small, modest house were exactly the same as DCCs for a really, really big house. Right. Um, and not passing judgment on who builds what, but just... From an affordability point of view, someone's building smaller, more moderate homes. It only makes sense that they should reflect less that. DCCs yeah. and reflects. And it was a bit of a nod to reflect affordability, but also fewer washrooms, fewer people, fewer all that stuff. Less demand on city infrastructure, which is really what the DCCs are all about. And just for listeners that don't know what a DCC is, can you just elaborate a little bit? It's on a development that? cost charge. Right. So as the city grows, um, there's a lot of infrastructure work, water, sewer, drainage, roads, um, that require upgrades due to growth. So, you know, infrastructure, like everything in life, wears out, but... You know, sometimes with a lot of growth, you might need a bigger water main into a neighborhood or upgrade a sewer main somewhere. And that that growth part of it is where we collect money through development or as as properties are developed at the building permit stage that goes towards those projects. Some projects are 100% triggered by growth. So they are, other than a very small assist factor, paid for exclusively by DCCs. Some projects are split. There's a growth component, um, but they're also 
just part of aging infrastructure. And then you right. might see, you know, sometimes there's a 50-50 split or an 80-20, or it can be any manner of percentages, yeah. but uh, it's just a way for growth to pay for that infrastructure that's required to support it and that that burden doesn't fall to all the existing taxpayers. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I guess to kind of cap it off of what I think we'll probably start to see more is garden suites, mm-hmm. maybe not so much the coach house, the coach suites so much, but um, garden suites, they're, they're very feasible and there's a lot of lots that would comply to the requirements to build them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a bit of a burden is, is from what I've heard feedback from potential buyers is that, oh great, I can just go bang out a little suite out here, but you still have to comply with not only the building code, but new home warranty if you're building, constructing a something of yeah. that yeah. structure, right? It's different than uh, a secondary suite. Um, secondary suites are defined in the in the building code, so yep. there's a lot. It sets out some pretty clear rules. Garden suites, carriage suites aren't specifically defined. They're just in a, a dwelling unit. So right. as a separate unit, yeah, you need HPO. Um, so there is more more that way. I th- I think we'll see more of them too, though. It's a great a great housing solution for sure. Right. I'm excited to see. Um, we just listed one today. Probably one of the early when when the zoning changed. Probably one of the early builds. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that pans out on the market. Yeah. How it's receptive. But it's uh, 861 square feet. Oh, perfect. Big as it was allowed at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, three bedrooms, one bath, cute. Everyone yeah. that's gone through it said, you can put this beside this house? <laughs> barely, but you <laughs> yeah, can get bar- it in there. Barely. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more of them. And what that does to the valuation of a house, um, I mean, it's essentially a second dwelling on your lot. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's... I think one thing to keep in mind for listeners is that if you have a garden suite or a carriage suite, you can't have a secondary suite. Exactly. So you can yeah. only have two dwelling units per property. Right. So if you have a secondary suite, you got to pick which one you want, I suppose. But yep. just in case somebody's getting a flash of brilliance that they've got a house with a suite and they're going to put a garden suite in, that, yep. that's not permitted. Gotcha. Um, well, that's all I had. I, I really appreciate answering some questions, and I yeah. hope that's informative to the listeners. I know we have several realtors that tune in, and and that'll be educational as well. So yeah. I appreciate you hopefully taking time out of your day, and it's yeah, a Friday, so hopefully you're going home after this. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. I want to, but uh, time <laughs> might, requirements? Have to, might have to go back for a bit anyways. Cool. Well, I, I thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. It was good. Cheers. Cool. Awesome.